leave quick, so. Alan, would you get her under control, please? <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm Jim. As a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have baptism next Sunday. That's a really important one to remember, so. Okay. Talking this morning about self-control. And I brought this handy little tool that Ginger got me a couple of Christmases ago. Now, when it comes to self-control, we can use a hatchet. We can use a hammer. You know, we can use a, it's even got a little saw in here. Probably not your first choice for self-control. Got a knife. So in fact, several knives. But the one I want you to really look at this morning is, is this one in the middle of a pair of pliers. Get a grip. Okay? So does that make sense? Get a grip on your self-control. So how many of you talk to yourselves? Well, of course you do. You just don't like anybody to catch you talking to yourself. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Now, if I'm talking to myself and Ginger walks in the room, it's like, oh, I didn't want her to hear me talking to myself. <laughs> Crazy old man standing this, on the side of the room talking to himself. But we all do. Sometimes we talk to ourselves out loud. Most of the time, we talk to ourselves in here. In fact, you talk to yourself constantly. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You're constantly talking to yourself, and that's where self-control lives, is in here when you're making decisions and you're talking to yourself about various issues in your life. Now, sometimes things are out of control and we can't do anything about it. My mom, driving her little Datsun down the road, and it was the middle of the winter, straight stretch in the highway, and the roads were like they were on the streets last week where it was just solid snow packed and icy. And so I'm following her down the road, and all of a sudden she goes like this. She does a 360 right in the middle of the road and then went the direction she was supposed to be going. <laughs> I thought, and when she was doing that, I thought, oh, man, Lord, help her. So she pulled over to the side of the road, and I stopped, and she caught her breath and said, okay, Mom, be a little, little more careful. That might not go straight again next time. We couldn't control that. I couldn't control that. Some things we can control, but we don't. Like haagen -Dazs. I love haagen -Dazs. Ginger went to Costco. I'm with her. She buys a box of haagen bars. And she said, can we control ourselves? No. I'm not about to say no, because you wouldn't buy them. So we take them home, put them in the freezer. Ginger forgot about them. I didn't forget about them. So she goes to bed about an hour and a half before I do every night. And she went to bed. Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> so I went out in the freezer, got a Haagen-Dazs, came in, sat down, and I munched, I munched away on it. And I finished it, and I thought... Gosh, that wasn't very big. <laughs> so I went and got another one. And I think she puts them out in the garage because they're kind of hard to get. You've got to get up, go out to the garage and get them. But after a few days, Haagen-Dazs are all gone. She didn't have one. Then I remembered that she had these Snicker <laughs> ice cream bars in the freezer inside. They're not so hard to get to. They're in the, in the bottom of the refrigerator in the freezer. So I went over and I got one. Gosh, that was good. Went and got another one. 
small box after three days is gone. And so Ginger gets this look on her face one night. I know this look because I've seen it a lot of times. This look says, I know that we have some goodies to munch on. And she looked over at me and I said, I ate them all. <laughs> well, we've got those Snicker bars. I ate those too. So she said, well, we've got some, some uh, Snicker ice cream. So she went over and, well, no, I actually I went over and I, she said, don't make too big a bowl. So I gave her a little bit and I gave myself a little bit, sat down. We ate it. She went to bed. Man, I filled that bowl so full. She never comes out. She came out. I'll end the story there. Self-control. All of us have areas where we lack self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. So some, sometimes self-control keeps us from doing bad things. We want to have self-control self <clears throat> with regard to money, with regard to our diet, with regard to alcohol, drugs, gambling. I mean, lots of things that require self-control. Sometimes self-control is needed to do good things. In order to succeed in life, you need to have a certain amount of self-control. I went to college, uh, high school, and I flunked out after two, two semesters, two terms actually, because I didn't have self-control. Too many concerts to go to, too many ball games to go to, too many places to go and people to talk to. And you sit down and think about looking at that Grey's Anatomy book when you could out be a, going to a ball game. It just doesn't, no. I lacked self-control. I flunked out. Had to mature a few years to get some self-control. You know what that's like, don't you? So notice on your outline, get a grip on your emotions and desires. Make good choices. It, it boils down to choices. Now I want to give you a kind of a, a paradigm, a way of looking at this this morning. Three stages. Let's take choice first. Choice is the first stage. And what I want you to think about is make choices not in the heat of the moment, but make choices ahead of time. Okay? So my flesh or my emotions, my desires are not crying out to me right now, but I know I'm going to face something, so I want to make a choice now and draw the line what I will do and what I won't do. If we wait until we're in the, I'll call it the heat of the moment, then oftentimes we don't make good choices. For example, I like CJ's. So I go to CJ's restaurant, and Ginger taught me a number of years ago, I don't always follow her advice, but I, I know how to. She said, make a decision about what you're going to eat before you go in the restaurant. Don't even look at the menu because you'll make a better choice. So I know before I go in the restaurant, I need to choose salad. <laughs> if I wait until I go into the restaurant and I smell the barbecue, 
and I smell all that smoked brisket, then I'm going to choose brisket with chips and mild sauce and give me extra chips. Why? Because if you don't make a decision here, a good decision, that will have consequences. Then you make a decision here that will also have consequences, and those consequences don't tend to be as good as the others. Self-control. Now listen to this passage of Scripture. Most of you, I think, would remember this. The Apostle Paul is talking. Listen to what he says. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So everyone goes into training, self-control. They do it for a crown, consequence. Okay? Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave. What's that? Self-control. Rather than being enslaved by my body, I make my body my slave, is what he's saying. So that after I've preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the prize. So think about making choices so that you enslave your body, your body doesn't enslave you is one way of looking at it. And I call that getting a grip. So fill in the blank that says, use your God-given gift, <clears throat> the freedom of choice. Now, I've talked about this a little bit before, but this is, this is truly, somebody said to me this morning, that was, it was said to them one time, it's a sacred gift. The fact that you can choose. Most religions, you don't get a choice. You get demands. We believe that God created us in a way not to be puppets. He doesn't pull all the strings. This will happen, this will happen, this will happen. He gave us the freedom to choose. It is a sacred, sacred, sacred gift. Genesis chapter 2, we know how long it took mankind to uh, live out the consequences of those choices if they make the wrong ones. So here's, here's, here's a picture. When we're born, we don't have a whole lot of choices. You go in the nursery this morning, those babies eat, go in their pants, sleep, cry. They don't make a lot of choices. Mom and dad don't give them choices. They feed them. They tell them when to go to bed, when to get up, what they're going to eat. They don't have a lot of choices. As you grow, and this is one of the challenges of the teenage years, is that when we grow, then, then we, we get to a place where we realize, I can choose now. And normally, kids want to make choices faster than their parents want them to make choices. So there's this struggle that goes on in the teenage years. We all know what that's like, where if parents aren't wise, then rebellion will set in because if you squelch that freedom of choice too long, then they're going to they're gonna take advantage of it anyway. So parents have to learn the skill of slowly opening up the choices as, as a child can be trusted to make good decisions, then they get to make more choices. If they make poor decisions, then we tend to back off and give them fewer choices. But by the time we're adults, we can pretty much do whatever we want to do. I can eat what I want. 
go to bed when I want, get up when I want. I don't have to be doing this. I chose to do this. You, you choose to do what you do. We have lots of choices in life, and it's a wonderful, wonderful gift of God. Notice the next blank. Complete freedom leads to a loss of freedom. I've talked to you a little bit about this before. God gives you the freedom of choice, but if you choose some things, you lose your freedom. You become enslaved to those things. You can be enslaved to alcohol, gambling, drugs, greed, diet, you know, lots of, lots of areas of our life where can you do that? Yeah, you can do that, but you need to recognize back here what are the consequences of doing that because if we do that, we lose our freedom. Now we're enslaved to that, and we, now we can't make the choices we once made because that's got a hold on us. We're imprisoned by that. So in order to have eternal life in terms of quantity, eternal life, and quality of eternal life, choices are required. Now, I want to give you a biblical paradigm to look through. Notice the blank, choose to enter the gate. Now, when you think about a gate, the thing that came to my mind when I thought about a gate is you're, you're out driving out in the countryside, and there's fencing all along the road, and you know that you need to go that way, but there's, there's a gate there, barbed wire fence, barbed wire gate. So you stop, you get out, you know, you lift the, lift the gate, you move it out of the way, and you drive through. So now think about it. Have you, ever, have you ever tried to run through a barbed wire fence? You don't want to, right? So you've got all these choices to make, but you choose the gate. In other words... You have the freedom of choice, but you restrict your choices wisely so that you can go through the gate. Now, the interesting thing in Scripture is that Jesus described himself this way. Listen to this verse. Therefore, Jesus said again, Verily, verily, I tell you, I am the gate. Whoa. He's the gate. Now, the picture is that there's this wilderness where there are all kinds of dangers. But Jesus describes this sheep pen where the shepherd takes care of the sheep and they're safe now. He leads them to pasture. He cares for them. He protects them. But how do you get there? Through the gate. And Jesus said, I am the gate. Listen to this passage. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In other words, until you go through the gate, you're vulnerable to the enemy. So in 1970, I'm choosing whatever I want to choose. I've done that for a number of years now. And I made poor decisions, poor choices in many, in many cases. As you remember, I got up one morning and God was in the room. And I got on my knees and went through the gate. That limited my choices. Not in a restrictive way, as you'll find out in a few minutes. In a healthy way. I said, Jesus, I've made mistakes. I want to follow you. I give my life to you. When I, when I, made, that, when I made that decision to walk through the gate, I made a decision not to do that and not to do that and not to do that, which had gotten me in trouble. Walk through the gate. And the consequences are good. One time in, uh, in the rooted group, 
Somebody said, I have to pinch myself sometimes because life is so good now that I've begun to follow Jesus. This was a person, it wasn't good before, but it's good now by limited choices. The second image is choose to walk the narrow road. Now, let me just, let me just say it to you this way. You are not built to be an off-road vehicle. All of us understand what that means, right? So we were in your off-road vehicle one day, and we were driving out in the boonies, up and down hills and around and here and there. You don't want to take your car back there. Even worse, I got in an off-road vehicle one time, went up on, on Pryor Mountain. You couldn't take a car up there. Big rocks, and we're going over things like this. And That's what happens when you get off the road. You weren't intended to be an off-road vehicle. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So we get to follow a road. We go through the gate, limited choices. We've, limited, we've chosen to limit our choices. We follow a road. We again choose to limit our choices. You think, well, that's restrictive. Now let's think about that. Uh, how many of you would like to get on the back of my Harley Davidson and ride over the Beartooth Pass? A few of you? Uh, there's a road that goes up the Beartooth Pass, and we've probably, all of us have been on it. And you go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and you get higher and higher and higher. And the higher you get, the narrower the road seems. And if you're on a Harley Davidson, you pay particular attention to that. If it says 20 miles an hour on the curve, then you're probably going to do that. You might, you'll learn to stretch it a little bit. Not, you don't want to stretch it too much. You don't, you don't, one of the things they told me right, right away, they said, don't gaze at the country. <laughs> Ginger's on the back. You know, I can feel this. <laughs> might glance over to the side, but you're not going to look at this. Why? Because it's dangerous to look off the road. It's a narrow, it's a narrow road. And the consequences of not staying on the road are very serious. I found out. I went around the curve. Don't need to tell the whole story, but I passed out, and I ran into the mountain, and I broke six ribs, and I was in the hospital, and Ginger came after me. <laughs> there were consequences. Could have been worse. I could have driven off the mountain. You want to stay on the road. Following this narrow road that Jesus talks about requires decisions, and there are consequences to following or not following those decisions. Paul says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. We know when the battle rages, don't we? So that you are not to do whatever you want. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And notice he warns about consequences if you go off the road. I warn you, 
as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So let me ask you a question. Is staying on the road on the Beartooth Pass restrictive? Now, normally if you say restrictive, you think, well, gosh, I want to be able to make choices. Out there you don't. It is restrictive, isn't it? But the restrictions are good restrictions to keep you safe and keep you on track. How do you do that? Let me give you several practical things to take home with you. Number one, set boundaries for yourself. What do you mean by set boundaries? Here's a, here's a boundary. I'm not going to have brisket when I go in CJ's today. I'm going to have salad. I want to decide that now because if I decide it when I go in and smell the brisket, that's going to be a lot harder choice. If you have a problem with alcohol, you probably ought to stay out of a bar. If you have a problem with drugs, you probably ought to stay away from places and people that have, that have drugs. Make the, make the decision ahead of time. Gambling, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to say. There are restrictions and there are boundaries that you place upon yourself. Make choices in advance as a protection from poor decisions in the heat of the moment and as a prevention from damaging consequences. So number one, set boundaries. Number two, clarify your values. Now, what are values? Values are things that, they're, they're rules that you live by that are wise. They know, you know that those values will help you stay on the right track. Uh, for example, we get personal here. Some of you are single, some of you are young, and you're dating. So... Sometimes young people, I've been doing this a long time, some people, sometimes young people or single people say, oh, I just couldn't help myself. Went on this date and I just couldn't help myself. Things got out of hand. Before you go on the date, make a decision. I will do this, I won't do this. I will say this, I won't say this. I will go here, I won't go there. Decide ahead of time before you go out on the date and then when you're in the heat of the moment, you've already made your decision. You're not making a decision in the midst of a crisis time. You've already made the decision ahead of time. Now, the consequences of a good decision are obvious, aren't they? The consequences of a poor decision can be disastrous if you wait to make the decision in the heat of the moment. So live by values. I want to keep in step with Jesus. Jesus says, don't go here, don't say that, don't do that. I'm going to keep in step with him. The values that we have here at HOPE, that are the acronym HOPE, the H stands for help. Now, this isn't just a value for the church. People say, well, the church, they mean, they mean Jared and I and Josh and Allie, we're going, to make it, we're, we're going to live by that. No, you're the church. This is a value for all of us. We can't help everyone, but can I help this one? That helps me make a decision. It's a value. The O is opportunity. This is a, this is a tremendous, tremendous value. Everybody gets another chance. Aren't you glad? 
Everybody gets another chance. People are always saying to me, well, you need to watch out for those people down there. They'll take advantage of you. Well, I was born at night, but not last night. But you know what? I love helping people. Sometimes they have to say no. Sometimes it's not reasonable. But I love helping people. Everybody deserves another chance. And you know what? The Bible says if you help the poor, you're lending to the Lord. That sounds like a pretty good loan to me. Everybody gets another chance. P, potential. You look at anybody in this room, you look at anybody that attends this church, and if you don't have a value about that, you're going to say, nah, they're not worth it. They're not worth it. They've made their mess. Let them live in it. No, everybody's got potential. Some have more than others, but everybody's got it. Let's, let's give them the potential they have. And the E stands for expectation. Everybody can have a better future. Some of the, some of the people that come to church here are in crisis. How can I ever have a better future? Yeah, you can have a better future. For sure in eternity. You could probably even have a better, better chance now by making good decisions. So guiding principles of life. One of the things in my old age that I'm learning more and more and more is this whole idea of Jesus saying, live by the great commandment. Don't try and get bogged down with 912 different rules. Love God and love people. And Jesus called it the new commandment. James calls it the royal commandment. I talked last week about Paul says, here's how God treats you. Here's how God's grace and forgiveness and mercy is in your life. Go treat other people the same way. That's how his books are divided up. Next statement is identify your points of vulnerability. Where are you vulnerable? The Harley store is waiting for me with baited expectation. I can go in the Harley store if left on my own and spend a lot of money. So I got this book. They send me a book every year. It's about this thick. I went through this book when I got it. Ginger and I made some decisions about budgeting. And so I went through this book and I thought, I'd like to have this. I don't need everything in there. I'd like to have this. I'd like to have this. I'd like to have this. And how much does that cost? So now when I go in the hardware store, you know, you can't buy everything. This is my first choice. Can I afford that? Yes. Okay, get that. You can't wait. You make a decision about that. Your points of vulnerability. Ginger has a vulnerability. It's called Home Shopping Network. <laughs> so we went through this thing. It was so funny. When we were making our budget out recently, I went through and we've got Amazon Prime. We've got Hulu. We've got Netflix. We've got everything. So I went through and I started just getting rid of a bunch of them and I got rid of Hulu. So Ginger came to me recently and she said, I'd like to get Hulu. There's a program I want to watch on Hulu. I said, well, I just got rid of it. But then I started thinking. Right after church today, I'm going to Los Angeles and I'm going to be gone for three days. I signed up for Hulu. $14.99 a month. That's pretty good compared to Home Shopping Network. Where are you vulnerable? I worked for my uncle who was, I worked for him for five summers on a farm. He taught me how to work and, and, I, and I love him. He was a Christian man. And, uh, but he had a temper. 
and I didn't I didn't know about his temper until the first summer I worked there. And one day he was out working on a piece of equipment, and I could, and I was watching him, and I could just see the temperature rising. He was trying to fix something, couldn't get it fixed. The temperature just kept going up, kept going up, kept going up. Pretty soon he had a ball peen hammer in his hand. Pretty soon he was beating on that piece of equipment with his ball peen hammer. He taught me how to cuss that day. I mean, he called that thing everything you can imagine. He was out of control. One time we, we tried to load a pig in the back of a pickup. He backs the pickup up to the door of the barn, puts a board about that wide up to the pickup, and thinks that pig's going to go up to the barn. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> but he kept trying, kept trying, kept trying. I could just see, I could just see the temperature going up, going up, going up. After about an hour trying to get that pig in, he was out of control. And all I could do was stand and watch. I was afraid to say anything. Well, what, what could he do? See, what you can do is you can make a decision ahead of time. I'm going to do something that's difficult. In, in this case, load a pig in the back, of the back of the pickup. He knew when he was about to lose control. Make a decision ahead of time. When I get in those kinds of situations and I feel this way, I know that's the tipping point. Back away. Let Stan do it, or do it a different way, but back away and let things get settled down. Again, it's making choices ahead of time rather than making choices in the heat of the moment because you lose control or you potentially lose control in the heat of the moment. Then learn to plan. Plans prevent poor decisions. I plan a Harley ride. I don't want to go every place. I, I choose where I'm going to go. We plan with a budget. I don't have all the money in the world, neither do you. So we have to figure out how much we've got and what we can spend it on ahead of time rather than making poor decisions in the heat of the moment. I read a thing the other day where the average credit card debt in, in America is 6000 some dollars a person. How does that happen? It happens because we don't make decisions ahead of time. Pastors with services. I, I plan a service. Some pastors will say, and it's none of my business if they want to do this, but they'll say, well, just let the Spirit lead. What does that mean? Does that mean just whatever, whatever happens, happens? That sounds more like the flesh than the Spirit to me. I've watched whatever happens, happens, happen, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> so you think about things ahead of time. You think with your calendar. Why? So you can make good decisions. And you can use your time wisely and your life doesn't get away from you. You plan on a date. We talked about that already. When we built Faith Chapel, uh, it was a several million dollar building and golly, we planned for two years before we even started. So we put these meticulous plans together over a period of two years and I brought in all the experts in different areas and and uh, got a budget, we need to raise money, we need to build a building and so forth. So as we're building the building, every day, every day, get together and say, how are we doing? How are we doing with the budget? How are we doing with the plans? What do we need to do today? Are we behind? Are we ahead? And when it got down to the last few weeks, then I became very involved because now I'd walk around the building and say, I don't like that. That doesn't look like I thought it was going to. So I walked around to the contractor one day. 
I forget what he called it, some kind of a list. And I, I walked out, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. I said, can we do this? And he said, sure, it's just money. Oh. So then you get to make a decision. How much money do we have left? Are we on time? And those kinds of decisions because we made a plan ahead of time. If any of you have ever built a house, sometimes houses get out of control. Drive contractors crazy. Because mama says, I don't like that. I want this. Well, it's only money. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about one area of your life. I bet this morning God has said to you something about one area of your life where you are out of control or you're potentially out of control. Maybe it's your mouth. Maybe it's greed. Could be any number of things where you're vulnerable to make poor decisions. If you're a teenager or a single person, maybe it has to do with dating and relationships. Well, I can't help myself. Yeah, you, 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 you can. You can make good decisions. So bow your head. Close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to ask. I want, you, I want to invite you just, just to focus on Jesus now and just think, okay, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. I'm bringing this to you. And Lord, I want you to help me Make a good decision about that. Lord, I'm vulnerable. I know that I'm susceptible. So help me make a good decision about that in my life because I want to stay on the, I want to stay on the road. I want to be safe. And I know you're the, way, you, you're the way to live, so I want to follow the road, the narrow road. I just talk to him about that. Some of you this morning may be making a decision about Jesus himself. You know, I've done this for years and years and years, and I know that when it comes to this kind of a time in the service that, that the Lord begins to nudge people, He begins to stir people's hearts. I want you to follow me. You can do anything you want to do, but would you make the wise decision to walk through the gate, Jesus, into a wonderful pasture, a beautiful place where you can be safe. He'll be your shepherd. He'll care for you. You can follow him and trust him. He's done everything that he can do. You know, when you sign a contract, there's always a hesitation. He signed the contract with the cross. He paid your price. He paid your price for you. He doesn't want you to pay. He made it possible that you will never die you just transition into eternity with Him. But that requires a decision on your part. Everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed. If you'd like to make a decision about saying yes to Jesus today, would you just look up at me and would you hold up your hand? And by doing so, you'd be saying, I want to walk through the gate, Pastor. Yeah, I see your hand. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Just hold it up long enough where I can, I can see you. I want to embarrass you. You're saying... Jesus, I want, to, I, want to, I want to walk through that gate. Some of you may be making decisions about, about the road, following the narrow road. Maybe you've gotten off the path and you want to get back on today. Would you just talk to the Lord right about that, about right now? Lord, we, if there's any of our life, we're out of tune. We want to step back from that dangerous place 
and walk on the road with you. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.